welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey everybody and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Anthony Whitaker, and this episode is being released on Tuesday, the 6th of October, 2020. Don't forget that the final day to join me inside the Super Stylist course is midnight, 7th of October, when the program will be closed for enrollment until next year. So if you have any questions or queries about the course, you can reach out to me at anthony at growmysalonbusiness.com. And don't forget, that's Anthony without the H. Okay, so let's get on with today's podcast. I always strive to bring a range of guests to the show that can help you grow as a professional, and we need that now more than ever. When I opened my first salon, like many salon owners, I was full of enthusiasm, a strong work ethic, and a dream to make a difference. I believe that most salon owners start off like that. Perhaps when they start, most of them don't have much in the way of business savvy, but they understand that the key to growth is to develop and keep their team And so they make decisions and changes to their business with the view to everyone benefiting. But many a salon owner has found out that their team don't always see the changes and direction that the business is going in as being a fit for them. And so they leave. Now, don't get me wrong, a certain amount of staff turnover is healthy for a business. And there'll come a time where it's inevitable that people will leave if the business is moving in a direction that they don't like. And so if a stylist leaves, it's often best for everyone. But having a walkout where a whole bunch of team members leave at the same time, there's a special kind of pain that many salon owners experience. And sometimes they even experience it more than once. So my guest on today's podcast is Tracy Fatarchik, former Chicago-based salon owner and founder of the Pretty Convenient app. And as a salon owner, she once experienced a total staff walkout. So in today's podcast, we're going to discuss what causes staff walkouts, how to bounce back from a staff walkout, and how a walkout is an opportunity for both personal and professional growth, and lots more as well. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Tracy. Hey, Anthony. How are you? Thank you so much for having me here today. My absolute pleasure. I'm, uh, you know, really honoured to have you um, on the podcast today. Um, let's do what I always do, which is start with an overview of who is Tracy Fatarchek. If you give us your two-minute backstory, so that we can, uh, or, or my my audience can, sort of have some understanding of who you are, what your background is, and uh, exactly where you're from. Awesome. Well, I currently live in the Chicagoland area. I am a salon owner. Um, I own a app for on-demand and on-location hairstyling and makeup services. And I also own the Pretty Set Go subscription boxes. But my backstory of how I started in the industry is I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. And I went to university first for a business and marketing degree. And the reason I did that is because my mother believed that that was going to be the path to success even though I wanted to be a hairdresser and work in a salon and own a salon one day. 
And when it was time for me to start paying for my way in life, um, I stepped away from university and went to school to be trained to be a hairdresser. And I've kind of lived in multiple different places. Um, I lived in Ohio, Minnesota, and Illinois now. And so each place I've gone, I've had the opportunity to not know anybody, build a business from the ground up, um, dream and expand on where I wanted to be. And 30, almost 30 years later, I still love this industry. And I love the impact that we can have as beauticians and hairdressers um, on our guests, as well as those that choose to work with us in our businesses. You put a, a post recently on social media about how you survived a walkout, which is something that many salon owners have experienced before and many will experience in the future. So I reached out to you because I know that you'll have a lot to share about that experience with other salon owners who will sympathize with you um, and also maybe some who haven't yet had a walkout who will hopefully learn some very uh, valuable lessons from uh, what you went through with that. So, um, you know, that's what I really wanted to to focus on with this call today. So, um, Let's let's just start at the beginning of that. You said you'd been in the industry for about thirty years. Uh, when did did your walkout? If there's only been one, and some people have multi multiple walkouts, <laughs> you know, uh, w- w- when did it happen? Uh, four years ago, and oh, recently, which not that long ago. And I want to thank you for bringing this to your podcast and to the attention because this is something that. Every salon owner experiences and one it, the severity of it is determined by when you start recognizing what's going on in your business. So it doesn't have to happen to every single person, but I wanted to be transparent because it always seems to be this big secret that or, or shame wrapped around it. And that was what really was the um, impetus or instigator to me sharing my walkout. And so it wasn't that long ago. I'd been a salon owner multiple times over. I had an amazing team. We had a great business going. And there's two words I can say, communication and consistency. And those were two of the things in my situation that had collapsed that was probably a strong cause. And as a business owner, I will take ownership of that because you do mask the ship, you run the situation that's going on in your building. And when something is missing as a giving to your team members from the ownership side of things, it can cause um, the dismantling of a team. Mm, Definitely. Okay. Um, How big was the staff? I only had four people on the team. Um, I was in the process of transitioning out from behind the chair because I was wanting to really kind of shift the business to a different level. I wanted to open that chair up, begin hiring new people. I was even shifting the way I was evaluating roles within the salon Mm -hmm. to where I had some big numbers. We were only four people um, and then fifth, including myself. And we were bringing in about a half a million dollars a year in services and sales. And because we were a great team um, of individuals, And I think that's where it shifted is when I started really looking at things of creating a true, everybody playing a a very specific role within the building beyond just a great hairdresser behind the chair. Yeah. So 
You've you've got um, this great salon in terms of the total sales, half a million dollars a year with four people, or over half a million is is you know good numbers. Um, you got four staff, and you rock up to work today, uh, one day, and 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 what happens? It was uh, an interesting. I'll never forget that day. It was a Wednesday in November, right before the holiday rush. Always a yeah. great time for things yeah, to I'll collapse think. a bit, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, we went in, and everybody had a color processing, and I grabbed one of my team members and brought him up to do an evaluation. And we started talking about her evaluation, and she proceeded to tell me, you've got some situations going on here that you need to handle right now. And at first, I thought it was a piece of guidance that she was giving me. I'm like, Oh, this is great. Somebody's supporting me. And then the conversation shifted. And so I thought something big's going on here. So I pulled everybody in the office. And I said, I, I, you guys got 20 minutes, 20 minutes to tell me I won't speak back. This is your opportunity to really be honest with me and share. And they essentially said, we do not like the way that you're leading us. Things are changing. We do not, do not like the way things are changing. And um, you have until Friday, basically, to start making changes. And if we don't see that change, we're going to leave. And that was a gut punch to say yeah. anything. Because I every move a salon owner makes, uh, I truly believe this is that we're doing it with good intentions. We're doing it with my intentions was to build a stronger business to build a bigger company that provided even more opportunities for the members of my team. I was coming from what I thought was a good place. And they didn't see it. Mm. And so at that point in time, I was I said, All right, is everybody staying to the end of the day? And they're like, Yes. And then at the end of the day, they're like, No, we're not actually going to be here. We're, we packed up our things and we're going to leave. And so I closed the salon by myself and literally sat down at the shampoo chair in the wash house and cried and thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I've never had a walkout before. I believed I was probably one of the worst salon owners there was out there. As many people that have gone through the situation before you start evaluating, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? What did I do that was part of this? Also, the other side of things of those were horrible people. And why did I let them in my business and let them into my life? And and they're not horrible people. And I'm not a horrible person. And I think yeah. that's something that owners really need to understand is that I just wasn't communicating with them what the changes were and the benefit of the changes. Um, and so okay. then... There's let, consistency. Let, let me jump in there because there's lots of good good stuff there. Um, wow, is the first thing. Uh, it, it sort of sounded a bit like I have this expression. Well, it's not my expression. It's an expression. Is the tail was wagging the dog uh, when you yeah. said that they sat you down and said you've got until Friday to change or we're out of here. Usually, yes. usually <laughs> it's the owner that is saying that to a team member that you've got until yeah. Friday to. Uh, you know, sort out your attitude or we need to have a discussion about your long-term relationship with us. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's to use your expression, that's a gut punch for sure. Um, and, you know, that really – and so then by the end of that day, they, they all packed up and went. Had they been pre-planning that? Did they all have somewhere to go? Yes. What's interesting is that as I started looking into the database and the computer, I could – track how they were logging into the computer and making pre-plans of things. And um, 
and the fact that what's interesting is they all left, but they all didn't leave together. And I have to say it was the only thing out of the situation at the time that was comforting. All three of them spun off to rent a chair or lease a chair somewhere else. And they didn't go as a, they left together, but they didn't end up in the same space together. And I thought, okay, okay, well, what's the rainbow in this? The rainbow is I empowered them to go off and start their own businesses. And if they had gone to somebody else, I think I would have thought that they believed you sucked as an owner and mm-hmm. we're we this other person is going to take care of us. I think they just believed that they could take care of us, themselves better than I was taking care of them or or shifting the business. So to me, that was that really meant okay, they just thought they could do things better than I did. And it was something that maybe was going to happen down the road. It just happened to implode within a 12-hour workday, basically. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I had um, something like that happen to me. Um, and I, I totally get when you, you say they left, you closed the door, you sat down at the shampoo state, shampoo uh, basin sure. and, and burst into tears. Uh, um I, I did something similar. Um, you know, I ranted and raved and, and used lots of expletives, which my mother had told me I should never be using. But anyway, <laughs> I, I did anyway. And and I always sort of think that that's a, that's a perfectly normal human thing to do. And usually when I talk about this to people, I, I sort of say, and you're allowed to do that, but then you reach a point. How long is that point going to be? Five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, maybe even overnight where you've got to say, okay, why did that happen? What am I meant to learn from it so that I can either stop it happening again or at least limit the damage when it does? So let's go back to that point where you've, you know, you burst into tears and you're beating yourself up. Um, uh, what was it that caused it? You already touched on it, but I sort of stopped you. What, what was it that, that you think caused that to get to that you know, situation? I was making shifts in the business. Um, I was, instead of it just being the four, you know, the four group, I was going to be bringing more people in to the business, which would have spread the business out. I was making shifts in, you know, in previously, if you were a top dollar bringer in the business, you would have X, Y, and Z benefits attached to that. I was shifting to where, yes, we have goals and numbers we need to achieve, but supporting the culture of the business, taking some time, how are you mentoring others? How are you growing others? Shifting them into creating some education within the space that was part of the compensation plan that they needed to participate in the growing of the business. And I didn't communicate to them that taking the focus off of just the numbers was going to hurt them. It was actually going to help them build their compensation for long-term employment and payment. And so there was that fear wrapped around of, well, she's just shifting things because maybe what she's going to do is she's going to make it easier to get rid of people that aren't part of the team or that culture and atmosphere, as well as I wasn't clearly, I wasn't explaining it properly to them that I'm like, well, I've explained it. Why would I need to explain it any further? It makes sense to me. And no, it didn't make sense. And they didn't see the benefit in sticking around into a company that provides a culture of if everybody succeeds, more hands create lighter lifting, right? So if everybody works to lift, 
then this business can truly evolve. Whereas the culture before, I was rewarding individual success in the chair. And that can be scary when people see things changing, especially if there's somebody that really maybe deep down wants to go open their own business at some point in time or wants to just focus on just what's going on in their chair versus what's going on in the overall business itself. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, basically, it was a trust issue, wasn't it? They didn't trust you. Correct. Correct. And, you know, they they thought, I mean, you said at the beginning of this, you said something about, uh, you know, every salon owner in the land is doing things ultimately for the benefit of their business. And, and, uh, you know, and th- and they do things from a good place because, you know, why would you want to destroy your business? You're doing it because you believe in it. You want to keep staff. You want to keep clients. So everything you do, you're ultimately doing for everyone's benefit, be- unless you're stupid. Because right. uh, if you're not doing things that are going to benefit other people, they're going to leave. And when they leave, their clients are going to leave and maybe other staff are going to leave with them and that destroys your business. So, you know, I, I believe like you, and I was certainly the same, that the things that I did in my business that I did because I believe they were for the benefit of everybody, including the business, you know, not just for the team, Absolutely. but everybody who worked there. But it comes down to trust and, and they didn't trust you. And you're saying it was really the trust was because they didn't understand or because you didn't communicate it. What was it? Was it a lack of communication? Was it a lack of involvement, getting them involved in the, decisions that you were making. Yes. And so that I, you were correct about that. Um, I believe I'm a very trustworthy person, but um, I will admit that I tend to think of things in a very logical, non-emotional sense. So I wasn't attaching the fear that this could cause with the change by not communicating, not letting them know what's going on, not incorporating those opinions and we know that people back things up that they are a part of building. And I wasn't including them in building this new system. I was coming at them with this new system and thought process. And I wasn't being totalitarian and saying, this is the way it is and you're out. But by not including them, I'm sure I've create, I created a perception of yeah. that this is, the, this is the way it's going. And... and that, so then it leaves people to their own thoughts and imagination of yeah. what really might be happening. And, you know, also too, one of them said to me at the end of that meeting, she said, um, you're not going to be behind the chair anymore. And I want to work in a salon where the owner is working side by side with me and on the floor in the chair. So that was a reason she started working with me three years prior And she didn't like the fact that I was not going to be behind the chair. I still had every intentions of being in the building, but she wanted to be in the trenches with the owner she worked for. And so remembering and um, understanding what they told you when you first hired them as why they were attracted to your business and honoring it saying, okay, well, maybe I can't work side by side with you at the color bar mixing a color, but I'll be there side by side with you to build rapport with the clients and market you and still have, and what do you think about this and involvement basically. And people want to be part, they want to be involved. They want to feel like that they're part of when something gets better and better. Yeah. And and also a certain amount of attrition, you know, staff (laughs) turnover is a healthy thing. 
you know, the business that I joined three years ago with you behind the chair was the sort of business I wanted to be in. And three years later, you no longer want to do that. That's okay. Um, I, I no longer want to work here. You know, that doesn't mean that that's said in a horrible way or whatever. It's just yeah. my goals and ambitions and your goals and ambitions are no longer aligned, you know, and, and that can be okay, but it, it's when it's, and that can even be healthy for the business, but it's when it's a walkout, like bang, gone, and the whole lot of yeah. them in your case, um, uh, that's, that's when it, it really hurts. So, you know, um, you know, the next day you get up, you roll your sleeves up, you get back into the salon and you start a rebuilding process. Um, I'm not sure what to ask you first, which is, well, uh, let me ask you this first thing. So what did you learn from it? Like when you went back in there the next day, I, I imagine there was a degree of, you know, being a bit bitter and twisted and plain angry. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Um, but, but, but what were the, you know, the sort of, you know, the bullet points? What were the, the you know, these are the three things I learned from that walkout that I was going to make sure that I integrated them into my business so it didn't happen again? Communication, that there should be no conversation not unsaid with your team. There should be no opportunity or there should always be opportunities for them meaning the team to come to you and share with you how they feel about something, whether they agree or disagree with it or not. And valuing the team. One of the things I learned the most from this is they chose me and my business in the beginning. I didn't actually choose them. They're the ones that came in and put in the application. So there was something about the business at that time. So by valuing that relationship, and then communicating with them to let them know that I value that relationship. And then the consistency side of things that when I change, there has, they have to understand that there's still a consistency based around my changing something. So that way they feel trust and they feel stability in mm. the company and the way I'm taking it. And, and what did, when you say, you know, lack of communication, what does that look like? in a, um, you know, in an everyday sense or, you know, is it, mm -hmm. is it, well, now we have a morning huddle with everybody and now we have, you know, a staff meeting every uh, Friday and now we have, you know, a formal, you know, six monthly appraisal, you know, what, what does it look like? I think all of those things are extremely important, but I think that listening is the key. You can create, you know, it's like that friend of yours that you're like, you ask them, how are you doing? And they always answer, I'm fine. I'm fine. And you're not listening in the gaps and the cracks and crevices when it's just auxiliary conversations happening around you. I feel like I would have realized more was going on if I was actually really listening to the conversations the team might have been having in the break room together, listening yeah. to really deeply when we're having just a one on one with somebody having challenges at home. And financially, they were concerned that my shifting was going to hurt them financially at home because yeah. they might say, I can't qualify for a car or, you know, my boyfriend left me and we were living together. Really, it's I think communication is 80% listening, 20% speaking. Yeah. And so it wasn't really sharing the changes so much as listening to their responses to any of the changes that were going on in the building. Yeah, it's a it's a trap that's easy to fall into. I mean, I had a a, a bigger 
staff than what you've uh, had at that point. But, you know, you start off a salon with, with, you know, one, two, three people, whatever it is, and it's easy to get around everybody. It's easy to talk to people. It's easy to go out and have a drink with people, to go out and have a meal with people. It's easy to have those conversations in the staff room. But, you know, when all of a sudden, like one of my lessons with this, when this happened to me was, you know, there were, there were 28 people working in the salon. Um, and I, you, you can't get around 28 people like that. Do you know what I mean? And, and I sort of had lost touch with that one-to-one communication and, and creating the spaces to, to have that communication, whether it's a morning huddle or team meetings or one-to-ones, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to call them, it, it, it's important to, to recognize that communication doesn't just happen unless you create a space for it to happen and, and direct it. And, you know, the, the other thing you said about, um, I forget how you worded it, but you were talking about oh, their involvement, getting them involved in change. And, you know, I often, you know, when I'm with working with different salon owners or whatever, I'll, I'll talk about a, a, an example of, let, let's say it's developing a customer service experience. And, and I'll be saying, to talk to the salon owner and we'll say, okay, this is the first thing that should happen. This is the second thing. This is the third thing. This is the fourth thing. And we'll come up with a list of these other things that should happen as non-negotiables. And, the mistake is, is that they'll then go back to the salon and they'll say to their team, these are the four things that should happen as non-negotiables. And I'm always saying to them, no, you don't do it like that. You ask them to come up with the list because if they come up with the list, they own it. And if they own it, they're, they're buying into it. And that's what you're talking about, isn't it? It's like getting them Absolutely. involved in how the business is, is changing. So my current business now, the conversation more is not around, should we or shouldn't we do this? It's more of a this is what we're currently doing. How can we make it better? Yeah. And I need all of you to help me understand how to make things better because I can't come, I cannot come up with all the ideas that's going to lead us to success. Yeah. And opening just, you could say it's a Pandora's box, but it's not really, it's actually a really great box that you open because then they feel like, even from the littlest things and whether or not you should put cucumber in the refreshing water that you serve your guests to, we don't need to have magazines any longer. It can turn into more of everybody's got their phones. So let's end the magazine subscription and funnel that money somewhere else. They really, people really do have, it's a creative industry. They have beautiful ideas that need to be um, given an opportunity to share. Yeah, I, I was talking to a very good friend of mine yesterday who uh, owns a salon, and he was saying how um, he he was employing somebody new, and he was telling me how clever this person was. And he said, you know, he said, for the first time in my life, I'm not afraid of employing people that are cleverer than me. And that is that is so right, that approach, to not be afraid. Yes. Other people have got something they can bring to the party. And you know, as part of that discussion, we also talked about the fact that there's always a fine balance with that when you employ those people that that they don't run away with things too much. That that you Correct. still they still have to understand it's your business, but you know it, it's like um, if you only ever employ people that don't threaten you and don't challenge you, then you're limiting the growth of the business. And uh, you, when you look at the most successful businesses in any industry, um, the person who owns it is often one of their greatest strengths is building the right team of people and around people that can do stuff that they can't do or, or can do it better than them. And I think that's a great trait. So absolutely. You you go and you build, rebuild, 
how did it how did it change your approach? How did it change how you recruited and started to build a new team of people? What was interesting is the beauty of this beauty industry. What got me through it was I love building and growing new things. So I basically pushed myself to live in that world. Um, I had many, many, many people, successful individuals in the industry that through friends of friends found out what was going on that reached out and said, what can I do? How can I help? Uh, I reached out actually to one of our top guests who had always said to me, I would love to work with you someday. How can I do that? I reached out to her to become my receptionist so that she could help take care of the clients, this overload of clients coming in. Then when I began interviewing, I understood that I always thought if you made a great environment, people wouldn't leave. And that's just not true. That you can never create such a great place that would limit somebody and their dreams and goals of where they wanted to go. So I shifted my thought process of, and in, not in a bad way, that not in a, oh, everybody's going to leave me one day. It was more of a, someday people might want to leave. How about I grow a business where I can utilize their great ideas, they can utilize my great ideas, and we can make this industry a better place for yeah. everybody involved. And so as, as soon as I did that mental shift, employees started coming into my space that wanted to be part of growing something, but maybe wanted to stay for a while, maybe wanted to go off and build their own salon one day. I had multiple that were like, maybe someday when you expand to multiple locations, I can be a partner with you someday. So it, it really opened me up in that way. And what's interesting is I actually built my business up to sell my business so that I could start a different type of a company and a different type of thought process and idea. And fortunately, I was able to sell once I built everything back up again. But I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of hard months of me working 12-hour days, seven days a week, taking care of the previous client that was in there. Great people in the industry came in and worked with me side by side to help me get through that holiday rush. And it wasn't until six to nine months later, I truly felt like, okay, I made it. I breathed again. I made it through all of this. Yeah. How, how did it, I mean, you, you touched on something there when, you know, cause I, I think a lot of salon owners do that. They open a business, they start employing people and as naive as it sounds, they, they never think about the day that someone's going to leave. And, and right. because they, because they give, you know, I'm not suggesting every salon owner is like this, but let's assume that, that 99% of salon owners, okay, maybe 90% of salon owners are really passionate, honest, hardworking people that really care about their team and really want to build their, 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 their team up. And I, I believe that that is to be the case. And so because they invest so much into that person emotionally and sometimes financially as well, they feel really disappointed, disillusioned. They feel, you know, that gut punch, you know, when mm-hmm. someone wants to leave. And I can remember when someone came to me and said they were going to leave, I just was devastated. I just thought, how can you possibly want to leave me? <laughs> exactly. but, but, but the reality is, is that that's okay. People want to leave. And so it's like changing that, that mindset about, it's exactly what you said, I mean, I, I don't say this in a bitter and twisted way. I just sort of say, do you know what? Everyone's going to leave one day and that's okay. 
Um, yeah. You know, that's okay. As long as they go about it in the right way, I'm cool with that, that I'm part of your journey, you're part of my journey, and there'll be a time where maybe our journeys are, are no longer on the same path, and it's great when that divergence can happen in a positive way. It's unfortunately uh, that sometimes it doesn't happen in a positive way. And, you know, I often, I often hear salon owners, and they will talk about their team as their family. And they'll say, you know, I treat my team like my family. And I, I sort of look at them and I, I say to myself, you know, you are setting yourself up for a really big disappointment because they are not your family. They are your employees. And yeah. one day they are going to leave. And unfortunately, a big percentage of them are going to go about that the wrong way. And because of that, you're, you're going to give yourself a severe kicking, you know, emotionally. Because you have Absolutely. set this relationship up differently to what it is. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? I agree 100% with you. I think that that's why discussing even a walkout in a business is such a, a whispered in the back room um, at hair shows. Of, Did you hear that person had a walkout? Did you hear that person left? Oh my gosh, do I, do I engage and encourage the person that left to go off and do a great job? Because... I, I, I know the owner and I know the owner is a great person. Something horrible must have happened. And it, it doesn't have to be horrible something happening, you know. And, and yes, you need to care about your team and you need to value your team. And what's the alternative if you don't put 100% into your business and your team is a failed business anyway. But yeah. to start, it's like starting any relationship with anybody starting yeah. the relationship with honesty and clarity around the expectations of that relationship. So later on down the road, if it needs to break. And I think that's another piece in the industry that it always seems to be, I'm going to go ahead and leave. Don't tell the owner I'm leaving. They go in, they tell the owner the leaving. The owner says, well, you know what, go ahead and pack your things up today. I've got somebody to take your clients. I think we as an industry, why create so much drama in an area we do not need to create drama. If mm. somebody I have had people in the last four years say, I'm leaving, I'm going off somewhere else. And my answer is, what could I have done that would have maybe helped you to want to stay? And what can I do to help ensure that you don't turn into a statistic in this industry that you turn into a good statistic versus a bad statistic. How can yeah. I help you? And it's also in the hiring process. I've had individuals come that are like, Oh my gosh, I want to work with you. I want to work with your team. I've seen you teach. I've seen you educate. Everything seems fantastic. And then we get into a conversation and I'm, I, I end up saying to them, I, I don't actually think I am a good fit for you. I think this person would be a good fit. I think this salon education program would be a great mentorship for you. I think they could help you versus always just thinking I've got to hire somebody because they seem to be the bestest on they were previously at before. Understanding what that fit is in my business so that I'm hiring a team versus just a group of individuals into the, in that four wall building. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of this, ties in with what you were talking about before with that person expecting you to be behind the chair. Your, as your business evolves, the needs of your business start to change and the needs of your people change. And you can't always fulfill all those needs if you're fully booked behind the chair doing the most clients. 
you know, uh, so you need to extract yourself a bit to, to be this, this hub of communication, to be this team builder, to be the person that's growing the business, not just a stylist in the business. And it's a, it's a difficult transition for a lot of people to make. How did it change the relationship that you had with future staff? I, you know, it's interesting is that uh, I was raised of that generation that you you don't go to dinner, you don't go have a drink with your team. These are your employees. You can't be friends with them. And I realized I can be friendly with them. Sometimes going to a dinner helps everybody put their guard down, that one-on-one dinner. So that way they really feel like you care about them. And yep. not, yes, you care about them as a human, but you care about their career path as well. It's not all about you as the owner. It's also about how you can help them in their career path. Um, The going to have a drink. Sometimes that's all it takes is just one drink with them. And they, they stop seeing you as the boss and they see you as a human being as well with all the good and the flaws that you can have within yourself. So it humanizes you a little bit as well, which again, makes you approachable, which again, makes them want to share information with you which then allows you as an owner to listen so that there's consistent communication, that circle of communication happening in the business itself. And I do ask more personal questions about my team, as in, how's your son doing? How's school going? Because that gives me also as an owner a clue when something does become a challenge for that team member, I I know the backstory. There's always a little more going on than just that um, client that maybe is complaining because they didn't receive their cucumber water or because the blowout wasn't the best thing they've ever had. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, how did it impact on the the sort of systems that you you put in place? Like like did you did you develop new systems like? you know, ways of doing things that are documented systems that we do this daily, we do this weekly, we do this monthly, we have job descriptions, we do formal appraisals. What, what, what sort of impact did I have in that area? Yes, absolutely. So I completely revamped my employee handbook slash guidebook. So that way, I know that people say stylists do not read it, but for myself as an owner, it helped me understand clarity around every single role and position within the business. It also gave me a really strong guideline when I'm interviewing people of what the expectations are within the business for their roles. What also happened is that we started creating those huddles, those connections. So every day we have a conversation. It also, I also started doing a a text message a day. So every single morning, my team receives a text message from me that is a positive message, whether it's you can get through this or you can overcome that or let's be kind to one another. So there's always a consistent positive message and I'm utilizing every avenue. Um, social media has been a big piece. I wasn't using social media before. Now I'm sliding into their DMs instead of just sending an email, sliding in and saying, listen, that's a beautiful haircut or hair color that you've done. Can I go ahead and grab it and repost it? And showcasing team members. That's, that's fantastic. It's all those little things, isn't it? I mean, I, I had, uh, I was doing a training session with a salon owner once and he had a big salon, 30, 40 staff, whatever. And 
we were talking about communication and one of the things that they said was exactly what you just said, that that's what he did, was every single morning when they turned their phone on, before they'd even got out of bed, there was a text message there. He would send out every day a motivational text message to all his team. And they were, you know, making fun of him for doing it because, you know, but, but they also secretly loved it. And as he said, you know, yeah. we see so much bad news in the world. You know, we go on our social media, we turn on the television news, we look at the newspapers, there's plenty of bad news. So why not make the first thing that you put in someone's head as soon as they wake up something positive? So, he, you know, he said he had this big book of quotes and he would just send out this fantastic quote every day, a different quote as a, as a group text. And I thought it's so easy to do. It's, what does that cost you? It costs you nothing. But, but it's so easy to start to build these things in place that build more trust, more understanding, more, more empathy, et cetera. What, what did you learn about yourself? You know, so you, you, you've had these three, these three people sort of, you know, tail wagging the dog syndrome say to you, you change by the end of the week or else. And then by the end of the day, they've gone and you sit down at the shampoo station and uh, burst into tears. And then you start to rebuild. What did you learn about yourself? How did you grow as an individual um, by going through that experience? I learned how resilient I am. I also learned that, um, that you can put pretty much anything in front of me and I can find a solution for it. I also found that I have an amazing support group of individuals around me and I wasn't leaning into them and that I actually need to understand that leaning into others is actually a strength and getting outside perspective and opinions on things is extremely important. I also learned that I tend to want to move quickly. And not everybody can move as quick as I can. So I need to be patient and exercise patient myself, patience myself to help others that have chosen to work with me and my company to help them catch up to the pace, meet people where they're at. And it's even part of that communication piece. Not everybody communicates in the same way. Some people, it can be a phone call, an email, a text message, a social media DM. So I learned that I need to not communicate the way I want to communicate. I need to communicate the way my team members need to communicate. So that way, it's a consistent message all the way around the board. And there's no room for misinterpretation of what my intentions are as a business owner. And that at the end of the day, I own the business. And so therefore, I have to take responsibility for whatever decisions are made within those four walls, whether it's a good decision, a bad decision, a good experience or a bad experience. Yeah. And, and learn from it, don't you? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I represent, uh, you know, unashamedly lots of salon owners who go and open a salon for all the wrong reasons. You know, I think most people do. And it's because we think we're going to make more money. We're going to be in control and, you know, we're going to be able to, you know, wh wh whatever it is. And we don't anticipate the pain and, and the learning curve that you're about to put yourself on because there is pain, isn't there? I mean, you know, you're yes. sat down at the shampoo thing uh, sobbing. There's real pain um, in, in growing through that. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like you, you know, you almost, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question in a minute. It's almost like salon owners need to, need to understand that, that when you open a business, it's not all roses and it's not all fun. There are some painful moments, but out of that pain, if you've really got what it takes, you will grow. And, and that, that pain is, is sending you a lesson 
if you're receptive to it and all those things you've just said about, you've got to own it and go, well, this is my fault. So why did that happen? And what do I need to learn from it? To, as I said at the beginning, make sure it doesn't happen again. So you know, what, what advice would you give to you know, that new salon owner who's listening to this, no matter where they are in the world, they're just starting out and they're full of that enthusiasm and, and passion and hunger and they're going to treat their team like their family and all those things which are lovely attributes to have. But, but what advice uh, would you give them? I think the biggest piece of advice I can share with them is you can have all of those great anticipation of what's going to happen. But what we need to anticipate is that things at some point might go sideways. And it's okay if it goes sideways. Some things you cannot prevent from happening. But to know that when something like that happens, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're a good person. You can pick up the pieces, you can move forward, and you can get through it. Also, lean into your team. Consistently talk to them. Consistently communicate with them. Create consistent systems that really need, leave no room for interpretation of what you want to accomplish with your business, share your passion, share your dream, share your goals from the moment they walk in applying for a position to the moment they leave at the end of every single day. So that way, everybody's on the same page and be okay with them leaving. We have, we are human beings that are constantly evolving and it's not our role as the owner to decide how a team member evolves. Yeah, exactly. Some sometimes, no matter how much how fond you might be of each other, they it's time for you to 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 part company. So uh, that's a that's a fantastic point to uh, start to wrap up on. Um, where, whereabouts can people connect with you, Tracy, on Instagram or other social media channels? So I'm all over all the social media channels, but Instagram is where I tend to live the most. Um, I'm with my name, Tracy Fatachek, T-R-A-C-Y-F-T-A-C-E-K. And feel free to reach out to me there. Also, if you have any questions or you want to email me personally, you can email me at contact at prettyconvenient.net. That's my business that I own now. And I'm happy to listen to what anybody has to say share any special secrets. I don't really have secrets, to be honest with you. But anything that you might need to help you get through it. Um, because I think we're all in this together. And I think the more open and honest that we are sharing these experiences, which is what I love what you're doing here, Anthony is going to really empower all of us to just create a, a build a bigger and beautiful beauty industry in itself. Thank you, Tracy. Now, I will put those links on uh, my website, growmysalonbusiness.com, uh, in the uh, show notes for today's podcast. So if you want to uh, connect with Tracy Fatarchek on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, whatever, uh, those social handles will be there. Um, if you're listening to this podcast with Tracy Fatarchek and have enjoyed it, then please do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag me in it. Uh, so to wrap up things. Tracy, have you got any final words for our listeners today? That's a big one. That could really be a lot of answers. No, <laughs> just live a beautiful life. Really always live with your passion in mind. Help others find their passion and grow from that. And thank you so much for allowing me to be here today, Anthony. I really appreciate it. 
Tracy Fatasha, thank you so much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure having this opportunity talking to you, and I'll look forward to uh, us connecting after we get to the other side of COVID in person. So thank you very much, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.